0: You can't be too close to power when you're a woman, but Catherine managed by um, accepting not to get the title official regent. She's going to call herself and make everyone else call her queen mother. And that's a title that shows where her power comes from, motherhood. Mm -hmm. It explains why with Elizabeth there's so much tensions because she doesn't understand the type of queen that Elizabeth is. She doesn't understand that... um, Elizabeth gets her power through herself. She doesn't need to be a mother. She doesn't get it. She just doesn't get it. And that's why tensions are going to, you know, um, become more and more intense between them.
1: Hello, and welcome to the British History Channel with me, Philippa lacey Brule. Today, I am talking to Dr. Estelle Perron about two powerful contemporaries of the 16th century, Queen Elizabeth I of England and Catherine de' Medici, the Queen Mother of France, their relationship and how it affected the European politics of the time. Our discussion today is based on Estelle's latest book, Blood, Gold and Fire, which is a dual biography of the two women. Estelle is an assistant professor and lecturer in early modern history at Northeastern University in London. Her work focuses on Anglo-French relations during Elizabeth I's reign and monarchical representations during the early modern period. Her works include her PhD, which she published as a monograph in 2018, titled Elizabeth I of England Through Valois Eyes, Power, Representation, and Diplomacy in the Reign of the Queen, 1558-1588. to 1588. Now, Members of my British History Patreon Club have put their questions to Estelle. Their questions will make up the extended ad-free version of this episode. If you're not already a patron and you would like to be, then you can find out what benefits you get for plenty of being a patron at www.patreon.com dot com forward slash British history one of the benefits is you get to put your questions to future guests Estelle I really really enjoyed your book um and it means a lot (laughs) well well, I'm so glad that you said you you know you made time as well in your your holiday to to speak to me and I have to say I'm really grateful this is not supposed to sound condescending but to historians like you who give um, who give people like me, who's in, who of course interested in the Tudor period, the context in which the Tudor period, the English focused Tudor period actually um, yeah. took place in, because I think that does get lost. And of course your perspective, you give, well, the, the wider context, the European, obviously the, the Anglo-French relations of it. So I've given everyone a bit of a brief introduction Introduction to you already, but in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? But also, I'm intrigued as to how you got interested in Tudor history.
0: Okay, so I'm Dr. Parong and um, I've been um, I've been working in academia for um, twelve years now. So uh, it's been it's been a long journey. Uh, I have a PhD in history, and uh, I've I've always loved. Um, the 16th century, the 17th century, the 18th century. I've always looked at th- th- that type of period. I, but at first, I, was, I didn't have a strong interest in the Tudors. It came late in my life. Uh, Why well, I say later. It came at 17. So what I'm saying is like, I'm not like, you know, from a childhood, uh, a Tudor lover. First of all, because I'm French and that we don't really talk about the Tudors um, in France, or as much, you know, uh, from a young age, you would hear like the story about Henry VIII and the six wives, but I have to tell you that it completely like, uh, get me like no interest whatsoever. I was just like, what is this book with so many wives? And I, and I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> but, but what happened was, um, my mother has always been a lover. And a craver for history, and she took me very from a very young age to the castles of la loire the versailles and and all these castles and 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 it's when I got really interested in the kings and queens I started learning all the names and starting to understand the genealogy and 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 why it was Francis the first who became king you know and and why it was not someone else and and his mother Louise of Savoy and then I move on to Henry the second Catherine de Medici Catherine de Medici who had such a dark legend and I'm sure we'll discuss more about that but it it was something that I I was really like everyone hates her and I was just like okay like that's that's interesting you know you're a kid you're Mm. like You're just taking in. And then I moved to university. And for my university, I did English studies. So I didn't do history. because my dad was like, what are you going to be, a historian? <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 ah, well, <laughs> Actually, but I made my way through. Because The deal was like, first of all, get another language, be good at it, and then um, do whatever you want. So, mm-hmm. um, so I said, okay, so I did English studies, and English studies meant that you have linguistics and translation, and you have um, literature, and you have history. And then I learned about the tutors. And the one that really got me, hundred percent, she got my heart from when I was seventeen years old. Still has it. Is Elizabeth the First? I was just drawn to the story of a powerful woman who um, was ruling on her own for half a century, almost like you know forty-four years, but like. And I was fascinated by um, by the fact that. It's obviously a very misogynistic, patriarchal society, but I became more and more fascinated by the fact: of well, what's going on in France? And um, does she have any like kind of equal? And then I realised: Oh my, my God, she ruled at the same time that Catherine de Medici rose to power. And so, in my in my PhD, I got fascinated by Elizabeth I of England through Valois eyes, because the truth is, in France, we really Pays a lot of attention um to the Bourbons, right? Like so, from Henry the Fourth um to like with the sixteenth which it it does make sense because in between here, obviously, with the we have with the thirteenth, with the fourteenth, with the fifteenth, and you have like with fourteen being the sun King being this. I mean, it's fascinating. It is really um interesting to look at because the the ego. it's unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> you know you would be top one in terms of like the kings and queens with with big ego and and i was and so the valois kings instead especially the the last Valois, so francis ii charles the ninth and henry the third are completely um demonized by 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 by, by by the society by history to con- to construct a new type of history and mm-hmm. give glory to the bourbons to the new dynasty and what fascinated me was like wait a minute those last valois are exactly the kings that elizabeth is gonna have to deal with for 30 years and it does change the dynamic of a queen when she has to deal with different like let's face it like she had for, she had for a few months Henry with the second then she had for 18 months or 17 months front of the second then she had Charles the Ninth, but it was not just Charles the Ninth; it was his mother Catherine de Medici for quite some time. And then there was this, there was this woman, you know, the Catherine de Medici, who kept being in the picture, you know, of powerful people. And then obviously you had Henry the uh, Third. And their stories with Elizabeth is a bit complicated. It started really badly and ended up with an ex- unexpected friendship. And it's when I did all these research that I realized how crucial they were as well for Elizabeth's reign. And that, as you said, like, the, when you give the context, um, there's no country, France, England, Spain, whichever country you look at, you can't just look at what's going on in the country mm-hmm. because all the reactions, all what's going on is going to be a reaction to what's going on somewhere else. They don't leave alone, you know, like, uh, you know, some people make lots of, compared Henry VIII, you know, um, with Brexit and like he was the first Brexiter because he broke with Rome. But that's much more complicated than that. And even if he Mm. broke with Rome, he didn't break with with everyone else. And he he tried so hard to keep good relations. When you look at Elizabeth, you know, uh, the Protestant Queen who have via media, solution like uh, trying to find a way to um to basically like uh, make everyone happy to some extent especially at the beginning of her reign i agree that after that the the policies are going to shift Mm. um but when you look at her she's still trying very hard to be in a very good relationship with her neighbors um, it's really rare when they stop trade. It's really rare when um, when they go a full-blown, full 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 blown war, and that's because um, war is not good for kings and queens. It never is. It's it always creates like um uh, it's it, it creates too many problems for them. Do mm-hmm. you see what I mean? So like so it, I think it's quite really um yeah important to see you know to to understand that context to really fully understand. Elizabeth, um, and the Tudors in general, because it's the same with Henry VIII, with Francis I, and Charles V. You can't understand Henry VIII without understanding what type of kings were Francis I and Charles V. You mm. know, so, so I think it's that's why I try to do in in all my books, so a little bit first England through battle eyes and my latest one, Blood, Fire, and Gold. Um. So yes, yeah, so that's 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 the thing.
1: You do, and you do it brilliantly. Um. And, um. I think as well you're introducing Catherine de Medici to people who are probably very au fait with Elizabeth I, mm. and we'll go on to Mary Queen of Scots who kind of kind of makes up this triangle of of uh, queens uh European queens contemporary to each other um maybe a little bit later on but so my audience are probably very familiar with Elizabeth and less so I imagine with Catherine de Medici so can you just give us a little bit of background to Catherine? Of course, that's not a French name.
0: Yeah. Medici,
1: well, Medici, it's a famous it's, one.
0: It's exactly. But Catherine, which is very, it's very more interesting, Catherine de' Medici is the daughter of a French woman, Madeleine de la Tour d'Auvergne. And so she he is half French, half mm-hmm. Italian. But her father is obviously Lorenz II, Duke of orbigno So he's a Lorenz II of Medici. So from a very... Um, a powerful family but also a family that is um whose reputation is stained by you know um lots of scandals lots of um they have lots of enemies like uh, that's how her father died like her uh, father died because he was trying to defend uh florence uh you know like so they, they're not <laughs> i mean they, they're feared in many ways uh but they're also loved other the people they have their enemies and uh, they're just a powerful family that um, that for Catherine I mean, she like uh, she, she, she was she had to deal with a very um, sad fate I would say because obviously she, so her mother died um, of consequences of childbirth probably so really like I think it's 10 days later um, after Catherine was born then she lost her father three weeks after that of a, in a battle where he's trying to defend um, his city. Um, but the military are more than just one woman and one man. And Catherine is going to be spending time with her very powerful family. So her aunties are going to look after her, but she's going to lose her auntie, then she's going to lose her grandmother. So it, 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 it's, it's, it's a it's a childhood mart by death Mm -hmm. and it is important to remember because you cannot like some people say oh but you know we shouldn't put like some um psychology into that but you can't remove it Mm -hmm. you can't like uh, you can't understand someone's decision later on with and it's a simple it's a similar thing for us Uh, all of us I mean we we can work or not in our baggage but we all have a baggage Mm -hmm. and we all have a a past and we all have like something that have um that happened to us and that made us or broke us because Mm. and and we and you're broken but you're still trying to go forward and 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 you don't really understand why you why you're broken at that time obviously they didn't have like spaces to have um um, discussions where they could discuss their past try to heal from it so i do understand that We're, we're in a different um time and place however um Forgetting that um, uh, Catherine's childhood is marked by death means mm-hmm. that you completely um, then um, do not understand her, her teenagers and her adult life. And I'm gonna come to this. So um, then she was with, her, um, with the Pope who was her uh, uncle and he was protecting her and he was protecting her but he was also using her as a pawn. For political ambitions or political alliances. And I'm not saying using in a bad way. It's what men did in the past. It's what some men still do today in other countries or whatever. You still have this idea that women are um, some type of property. And um it's still um it, it, obviously, that is wrong, but that's how uh, people operated at that time. And some were like really like, um, benevolent in the in the way that they wanted the best things for their daughters or their nieces or their wives or sisters or whatever. Like, you, maybe not their wives, but just their sisters and stuff. And so, but others were, it was really just about them. For the Pope, I would say that it was a deal that he concluded with Francis I that would protect his niece, as well as protect his political alliance with France. He obviously wanted a political alliance with France because um, Charles V started, you know, invading uh, parts of Italy. There's a massive war between France and Charles V in Italy. And uh, the Pope chose um, to side with with France on on this. But in a way that he has to be careful. And you always have to understand as well, like the, the political alliances, allegiances, Always shift and some mm. shift You know, month after month, and month year after year, and it's very hard to keep up. What we know is that uh, in 1533, um Catherine de' Medici was married to um Francis I's second son, Henry. And you have this 13-year-old girl who had spent all her life in Italy, family from family, family members dying one after another. Mm. You need to remember that. Then she has kind of like um some safety with her um with her uncle, but he's the Pope, so he's a target. And he's someone like and he, he and he's probably not someone who gave her lots of reassurance and lots of you know love and care, all this type of things. You know, he, he was thinking about the survival of the Medici, the survival of, of himself as well quite frankly and you have um catherine who is um sent to france she knows that obviously her mother is french so it's part of her heritage as well so um but she comes to she's given to another family and as a wife of someone She's thirteen. He's thirteen. Well, I guess on that she was lucky because you have lots of eleven years old, twelve years old, thirteen years old, fourteen years old, given to very old men um, for political alliances, and it's absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible for them, uh, where they they just don't want to go, or they you know, or they feel like it's yeah, it's not in their best interest. Well, here there's a match between two teenage people, and Catherine fell in love with Henry, like from probably from the very beginning. But Henry didn't. Henry was already uh, had a, a tutor um, who was also uh, someone um, teaching him everything about sex. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, it's Jeanne de Poitiers. She's uh, seventeen years older um, than him, if not twenty, like about that um, gap. And she has a total control on the young teenager, absolute control over him. And Catherine realized very early on that what's going on. And it kind of broke her heart. The the thing that's gonna save Catherine is that it's Francis the first. Francis the third is gonna be fond of her. First of all, she's gonna try really hard to be very good at French. And and I believe that maybe if she had an accent, i do not obviously who am I to talk to people with about accents, right? I have my own French accents, but uh, for for Catherine, I think that even if she had an accent, an Italian accent, she was still like extremely intelligent and mastering French really well like I, I don't see her being you know it's not like you have all the queens where the 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 language is is a, is a barrier for mm-hmm. for some time during their you know when they arrive in the new country and obviously there were, she was not meant to be queen she was not meant to be queen like Elizabeth I Elizabeth I when you think about it she was not meant to be queen there was like two other people in the line and honestly how tragic is it is for but it's good I mean like I'm quite happy but uh, <laughs> how tragic is it that we have like Edward the Sixth was so young and died so young he should have had a, a, you know a dynastic alliance, a marriage have children and that would have completely it would have completely changed the shape of our of the country today of, of
2: mm.
0: you know and of, of history but it's not what happened so you have Catherine Elizabeth with similar Kind of background elizabeth being declared a best at three years old the stain of the of reputation of her mother and um, the fact that she's you know taken away from court it's not exactly the same thing but you do have like similarities in their upbringing that is quite noticeable and especially when i think when you read my book it's what well, the first part is telling you like it's really trying to show you the similarities of their upbringing and and how they played the same the cards, um, being humble, being obedient and, and understanding their place very early on. So Catherine, uh, Henry, uh, his second son, but his uh, brother, another Francis, is going to die. And um, it's going to mean that Catherine and um, Henry are Dauphin, dauphine of France, so the, the, the heir to the throne. But there is no children yet. And it's causing a panic, a panic, a panic. And we know that Henry can have children. He has other mistresses, not just... Dien de Poitiers is like um, the one who is the ultimate favourite. Like, there will be no one else who come close to that type of power over him. However, he does sleep around because, you know, princes and kings, it's what they do. And he does have children with other um, women. And um, so there's the question of... There's almost a question of... Maybe there's a problem with Catherine. And to secure the line shall we remove catherine right. and catherine is gonna like hear all these rumors about her about her marriage and she's going to be really proactive again it's in my book but she's going to go and talk to francis the first and so she accepts she plays the, the game so well she said she accepts that um the reputation the humiliation of a divorce if it's for what's best for him and because they have such a close relationship he's going to be extremely touched by this what appears as self-sacrifice mm. i think she i mean you can never know we'll never know but okay i can give you my own opinion on this because of all the letters i've read about her i can see how her brain like kind of was working making you know decisions i think she knew that he would never let it happen and that being super humble obedience and show like self-sacrifice would only reinforce
2: Mm.
0: his feelings that she was the you know a great person and the right person to be. So obviously he said like no one is going to divorce you you're never gonna be and you have to remember as well that she's playing with card where it's a new family now. She feels extremely close to Francis the first. He's probably like a father figure himself. And And she's ready to renounce all of it again losing everything.
1: That's exactly. what I was just thinking with what you said earlier about her being passed from family to family. She feels like like this is it now, I can settle I, in. And then exactly.
0: and then he's like, no, you you stay. But obviously there's a problem. And um for Jeanne de Poitiers, who is the ultimate mistress, it's not in her interest that uh that Henry divorced um Catherine. Because what if he found like a new princess that is more attractive, mm. less obedient? doesn't stay in her place and has something against Deanne. Do you know like so she's like shit I can't have that I really like this um chubby girl over there she's quite quiet and she's I can completely like walk all over her she never does anything no we need to keep that one so here we have like something that always made me cringe and um is the fact that um Deanne is going to give advice on um sexual advice to Catherine and uh, to a point where she's even going to sometimes prepare Henry when he can finish himself in Catherine and have, you know, children. It worked. But can you imagine the absolute humiliation that Catherine had to endure with someone she loved? Mm. She loved Henry. So she knew he didn't love her. And yet she had to accept all this humiliation and 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 um and she did she did because in many ways she didn't have much of the choice mm. once she has her children, she has a son and she has a daughter, and she has you know, another son son daughters like she has, she has they have ten children together, not seven of them all gonna go through like're gonna go have to adulthood. It's amazing at that time mm. um. But that is where, like, you have Catherine becoming a mother, and it's where, like, I want people to understand her past, to understand what type of mother she's going to be. She finally has another family, blood family, of her own, because Henry is not family, like he's not blood related. Oh. Francis is not blood related. She has children now that are half hers. Do you, you show I me mean like this? Mm. And this blood thing is quite really important for her because she has no one else. And actually, the the one she has, like she has a cousin, Cosimo, that she's going to talk to to a lot later on. Um, And she's very close to her Italian relatives. And I think it's because of this blood relation that she feels and she craves. But with her children, it's even stronger. What she also realized is that she becomes the mother Of future kings and probably future queens and that changes again the dynamic that changes her status and she's gonna completely like work so hard on that status um and and do things that are um that no one had done before like she's when charles is gonna become king charles the ninth um he's nine years old there's no you can't be you can't be you can't be too close to power when you're a woman, but Catherine managed by um, accepting not to get the title official regent. She's going to get the title of gouvernance, or so governor of France, and she's going to then play that card that I think is really, really smart. She's going to call herself and make everyone else call her queen mother. And that's a title that shows where her power comes from motherhood and it's very important for her because like it's, it explains why with Elizabeth there's so much tensions because she doesn't understand the type of queens that Elizabeth is she doesn't understand that um, Elizabeth gets her power through herself she doesn't need to be a mother for for Catherine it's absolutely she doesn't get it she just doesn't get it and that's why tensions are gonna you know um, become more and more intense between them Probably because of that.
1: I mean, it's the exact polar opposites: motherhood, virginity.
0: Exactly. So, well, virginity or, or single. Like, I, I don't want to go down that road because I still don't buy the complete virgin queen. Um, <laughs> I never did. It, 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 it was created in the 1580s. It was created to to make her like um, to end all the marriage proposals and and make her like this to glorify her. Mm. Um, but it, it, was she or was she not? It's not even the question. The question is. She's a queen regnant, you right. She's the daughter of a king. She's ruling without any other man. Like, and, and I don't buy the bullshit about having a privy council. Everyone else had a privy council, and you don't tell that Francis I was not ruling because he had a privy council. If you don't have a privy council, you're a tyrant. It has nothing to do with you know ruling. It, 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 it's just how it worked. You you needed to have advice advisors around you. Anyway, Elizabeth is the one who called the shots and when she listens to Cecil, when she listens to Worthingham, when she listens to Leicester, she makes it because she agrees with them. Hmm. In the end, she's the one who, makes it, who made the rules, you know, um, but she had to listen to them and, and sometimes they had good ideas. So, you know, why not listen to them? Uh, but yes, you have like polar opposite, Catherine the mother, mother of kings, mother of queens, mother of duchesses mother like you know grandmother as well like you know it's a dynasty that is going to come through her Mm. and you have um elizabeth the optimal single woman who doesn't take um who who doesn't buy into this patriarchal society and who thinks it's way too risky and it's true because if you get power through your through yourself, through your own right, you don't need to be the mother of another of a king to get more power. It's actually create more risks for you. What if you do die in childbirth? What if you know? Um, what if you suffer like um, um, the pain of losing your 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 children and your child? I mean, it's just, mm. it just it just didn't make any sense for Elizabeth to go down that route. I think.
1: Mm. Mm. Of course, Elizabeth had seen time and time again that as soon as there's an heir uh, stated, then there's rival factions. And I think she was trying to avoid that.
0: Exactly. Well, then people were saying, well, but if you have your own children, then it it removes that. But I think because it just, it makes things clearer. But I think for Elizabeth, it was never, um, it it was just Also, it meant obviously being married. So uh, who do you choose? Do you choose another prince, a foreign prince? Uh, And then what? If you die in childbirth, the prince, the foreign prince take over your country. So are you just selling out your country? Do you, the second thing is like, okay, you marry nobility, so then you create factions. you favoring one, you know, one noble family over the others. That creates rivalry. That creates potential rebellions. But to be fair, whatever you do, you mm. there's a problem. And she, cho- like, choosing not to have, you know, not to marry, not to have children has created problems on the island. But at mm-hmm. least it was
1: in our own terms. There was no perfect solution. At no, at there actually. was so no. no. So when did Elizabeth and Catherine's paths first cross?
0: So in so you have the rise. It's why I also thought it was so interesting. You definitely have the rise of the two queens at the same time. So in 1558, you have Mary I who died, and Elizabeth is becoming Queen of England. At that time, you have Henry the second on the throne until... 10th of July, 1559. So you have Catherine Medici as a um, concert, but she already played a massive role in the loss of Calais. So um, it's it becomes more and more, it becomes clearer that Catherine is, is more intelligent than people thought. And even Henry II became closer to his wife at that point. Not in a romantic way because Jan was there and Jan is the love of his life, but in a way where he was like, oh, but actually Catherine is definitely not stupid. She she made good decisions, and it, there's like this trust and partnerships between them that is growing. And unfortunately, when he died, um, that that goes away. Yeah, obviously. So then you have uh, Francis II, and here we have a very difficult time for Catherine and Elizabeth. You have Francis II, who's married to Mary Stuart, and I know we want to discuss this a bit more. The third queen who played a huge part into their relationship, and here um, Mary Stuart and uh, annoyed both queens well she did Mm. on different levels um for uh francis ii and mary kept using the coat of arms and titles of england that really pissed off elizabeth and catherine realized that the guises were absolutely taking over her son so she she managed to get you know um, in the privy council talking and giving advice to her son but he was not primarily listening to her he was he, he really loved his mom but he was primarily he was so in love with mary stuart he was he was she was in total control over him and i think she saw mary stuart as a second diane as a second, like the type of woman and we know that um diane and and mary were close um mary stuart really really admired diane de Poitiers. she did not admire catherine um and um I think we have the same type of women—the beautiful ones, the, the charming ones—who are uh, absolutely taking over the men they're with, right? Like, and so <laughs> we have like, uh, um, so Catherine saw that, couldn't say anything, still advising her some the best she could, but but trying not to to interfere too much because again she knew her place. But uh, in December 1560, fate struck again. Um, Francis II died awful on a personal level. I mean, um, you have to understand, like Catherine Just with all we said about death, you know, her life being marked by mm. death.
2: Mm.
0: The, the death of her husband, he's 40, he's not that old, you know, like they're in the prime age kind of thing, and he died. And then leaving her also like kind of um, in, in a difficult position with the young, you know, children, well, youngish, you see what I mean? Mm. Um, and then Francis II died. What a crush! I mean, even if it's in a way, it's a relief in terms of political power. It's not a relief on a personal level. It's it's, it's she's crushed. But it meant to get rid of Mary, Stuart, To knock down a bit the gizzes, who well, are still going to grow in power anyway. But she is a bit more um, in control of that, and she really played really well. Um, there's a power play between them that is very interesting in 1560s, early 1560s. And um, and then you have Elizabeth and Catherine being almost at the same level because Catherine is Charles is too young to to be ruling. Catherine has managed to get everyone more or less on board with Queen Mother, Governor, and shifting and doing what she wants. And here we have two queens where Elizabeth wants to prove to everyone that she's not this you know young, stupid young queen that's just twenty five you know late twenties, um, not not smart enough or whatever. And she's going to make a mistake. She's going to take on Catherine. She's going to be involved in the first religious civil war in 1562. She's going to provide help to the Huguenots. And um and it's the first battle. It's the first battle of the Queens, where um I, I call it almost the Queen's War because it's it's um it's a power play between them. And that that time, Catherine won Mon is the only time. Because there's something about Elizabeth that I absolutely love and adore. She always learns her lessons. Mm. So the first time around, you see it with Thomas Seymour. You see it with like Mary the First. You see it like she understood really, really quickly. Maybe not quick enough. She always like she can put herself in a situation where she shouldn't be in. But once she get out of it, she doesn't make the same mistake twice. And it's the same with Catherine. I think she completely underestimated Catherine. Please, for all the details, get my book because it's it's absolutely brilliant the, the power play that's between them and and how Catherine is going to play Elizabeth and Elizabeth then understood. Okay, I underestimated you. You're not you know you're you're far from being stupid. And then she's going to play Catherine for over a decade, from missing her. Yes, I will marry one of your sons. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Yes, I will. And Catherine buying into that, and you see that Catherine is absolutely determined to, and she says it. She said, "I'm determined to make her like change her mind." Absolutely ridiculous. It would never make it. It would never happen. And I think Elizabeth knew from the beginning that would never, never happen. But it was quite interesting to keep the French as a lie, as like um, on board on everything, and it helped Elizabeth whatever she wanted at the same time it's so funny because as you know there's this third queen that plays a huge part into their relationship and it's so funny because when mary should really annoys elizabeth and when she's um then later on imprisoned in, in england you see that the french are like well that surely you can't do that and, and elizabeth is a bit like well you want to marry me, right? Like, so surely you should not <laughs> criticize what I'm doing. Like, that's not the best way. You know, she doesn't say it that way, but when you really th- read through the lines of the letters, it's basically what Elizabeth is saying. She's like, Well, actually, is what, what why are you telling me what to do when you really want my hand? Like, that's, you should be pursuing me. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's extremely clever from Elizabeth.
1: Because you mentioned in the book as well, Elizabeth, of course, Elizabeth's reasons for not marrying, I think, is it three sons in the end? Catherine ends up sort of, we talk about women as pawns in the marriage market, but Catherine put forward three sons for Elizabeth over time. And her reasoning, what wasn't her reasoning for the first rejection that he was too young for her? And, yeah. and clearly then the other two are going to be too young. And yet every time Catherine has hope that Elizabeth will renege this time. And does that speak back to that missing, uh, that, um, inability to understand that Elizabeth really really isn't actually going to look for power through a marriage and sons
0: and also what you, what you have to remember is that so when when uh, she offers um first Charles in 1564 so it's very early on it's after the the Queen's War it's really right after the Queen's War because what I call the Queen's War is the dispute between well, Elizabeth is involved in the her first religious civil wars, basically giving you know money and weapons to the Huguenots mm. and trying to make plans. She received them at court. She's, she's being really naughty. I quite love it. <laughs> uh, she's being really naughty and being a really pain in the ass uh, for Catherine Domenici. Catherine Domenici is saying, what the fuck are you doing, women?" Um, <laughs> I'm sure she was like fuming. And Catherine, I love that. Catherine lost her temper so many times. Elizabeth did as well, but not in letters. Uh, Elizabeth would do it in, during audiences um she threw a sleeper to um uh, to, to wasingham's face i love it i love it i think he deserved it i don't know what he did but I, i'm i'm with a this I just, you know, it's super annoying i'm sorry man i'm just, I'm just in general obviously but what i'm saying is that um catherine lost her temper in letters which i find it it's it reminds me a bit of me when i write an email and i'm like you know, and i don't control myself and then i hit send i'm like oh shit <laughs> it's definitely my Catherine. Dimension. isn't that
1: a great source for you and for you know, you then to translate it to, to us in a book that I know it get the raw emotion of Catherine. It's, it's
0: brilliant. I lo- I loved it. It's it it what makes her so human. Mm. It's what helped me bring her back to life. I can almost imagine her. You know, there's some lines like I mean, I can imagine her, what she would be saying. It's it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But so at the end of this war, where um, what I call a war, is um. Catherine is like, okay, fine. Like, uh, I have a single woman across the channel. I have a son. He's, you know, um, completely under my control. Because it's what's happening, right? What Catherine is trying to do is herself marrying Elizabeth in many ways. Mm. Because she was in control of her son. (laughs) Joe was absolutely under the... Like, he's going to grow out a a little out of it. Like, he's going to try, like... in. To be like I'm I'm the king after all and she's gonna be like yeah yeah fine but um do this man you know like do do as I say please because <laughs> you know shit and I know better um so it's it's it, the, the the dynamic between Catherine and Anathon is very very interesting but so in 1564 you have a 13 year old boy and uh, Elizabeth is like 29 or something like uh, she's gonna be oh no she's just she just done um, yeah she's 31. So there's this uh, what am I supposed to do with that one? <laughs> but what happens is like later on when she tries again, and uh, so she tries again with Charles in fifteen sixty nine, so Elizabeth thirty six, and she says no. But then she pre- she presents Henry the uh, third. Who's going to be Henry the third? And then Elizabeth, like, huh? He's more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, young but yummy so and she she shows a more uh, uh, she she shows an interest that he was he's going to shut down he's like and henry is not under the control of his mother which is funny he's the favorite son he's the absolute favorite always been the favorite catherine loves him to bits his um uh, eyes his uh um he's our life he's her heart like that you have letters between them where the, the the mother love she has for him is so so strong um and I don't know why he's a favorite he just is because he's such a pain he loves his mother too he absolutely adores her but he's absolute you can't control him. And you see him, wait, he chose his wife. Right? He chose Luis. Uh, sorry, I just have a portrait. That's why I looked up. Um, uh, you have Louis de Lohan-Pudimont. And he doesn't even wait for his mother to tell him, like, we need to make an alliance. He's like, shut up. I do whatever I want. Right. And that's why I think later on, him and Elizabeth are going to get on because of this type of personality. We do the fuck we want. And they both like this. And I think that's where they, they, they kind of connect. But but for Catherine, so she, she she's offered she offered and Henry without really telling like, without making sure that Henry would say yes. And Henry said, fuck no. So uh the, the like it, it it it's a massacre in terms of, of um of um negotiations, it doesn't last it's like 1570, 71. And then she's like, Oh wait, 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 have a third son. Okay, it's not that attractive, but uh, <laughs> uh he, 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 he's very easy like francis is probably suffering from um his older brother to be the favorites and he, he, there's a lot of rivalry between the brothers mm. and i think he felt finally that his mother was giving him attention and he's going to play what his mother wanted right like so she she's kind of in control of him but it's a type of an emotional control um and um and Elizabeth is gonna be like, I think she's gonna get on with France. I think she's gonna find Francis not attractive, but amusing. And easy to make him believe and Catherine believe to play the game yes no. Because it, it it's when it's 71 to 81, 81 in in, in English sources, but until his death, 84 in, like they still hope that she'll change her mind. Mm-hmm. and what's crazy is that obviously he met he met her in 1579 in 1581 and um i do think she really enjoyed i think they became friends i think she really enjoyed his company he mm-hmm. was funny uh, he was charming he was completely devoted to her he would have been the husband he would have been actually a good husband to her because there's no way he would have done anything to piss off um and he would probably, probably have turned his back on his family because he had so much rivalry with, with Henry. Now, I think he would have created a new dynamic if he had been King Concert of England. Mm. I think he would have turned his back on French uh, interests.
1: Um, you may believe by this point, children aren't on the cards at this marriage. That's
0: the thing. That's the thing. It's like, obviously, Catherine is like, keeps banging on about sort uh, of becoming a mother one day, saying like, that the thing that she hopes the most, that's, you know, the best thing that could happen to her. But you have... um obviously she's getting older and older and older and as I'm boy you know really think about like having children mm. but all the, you know and it's to some extent I was like but I was thinking it's just it's just a thought I, I want to share with you guys like um, but wasn't it the ultimate thing actually to keep pursuing someone who was then middle-aged, like, you know, middle-aged, like, you know, she's going to be in her 40s and stuff. And you know that your son is younger. So it means that if she dies, if she struck the right negotiation, the right marriage negotiations, the the crown goes to France. All right. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And, and would Elizabeth, imagine like Elizabeth would have like been like, okay, you don't want Mary Stuart to, to, to be on the throne. Yeah, might have as well, like this Francis guy who's been so devoted to me. So, do you see, what I mean? I'm just thinking, mm. like, what is, like, they, they must have known at some point there was no child, tra- like, children in the cars. At mm. some point, it's just, they keep pursuing her. But let's face it, in the 1580s, like, you know, or late 1570s,
2: mm.
0: it's less and less likely that she would have been able to give
1: birth. surely they would have been aware of the marriage treaty that Mary I had with Philip oh, A, which.
0: The Yes but it doesn't mean that would not have been able to struck another one.
1: It, right. And, and and maybe if he was already been here for a few years he's built up.
0: And also if he probably contacts. would have converted because he was really he was not a fanatic a catholic fanatic. So he would have probably converted to to protestantism even though there were discussion of him being able to um exercise his religion privately. We know that Francis become like um you know um the law protector of the Netherlands right like this so we know that he has a he's really against like the the Spanish and for him it's not really about religion it's really about um he's, he's choosing the protestant side over and over again so to a point where um to a point where religion doesn't matter religion is just a way of like um choosing your enemies and your friends and, and for Catherine, I, 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 it's just me wondering, you know, why is there, were they that stupid to think that she could have children? Were they when their mind thinking if we strike the right marriage negotiation, the right marriage, you know, document contract, could we get England? Could we get
1: England? Well, or perhaps even, even it would just open the door because he would be in situ and, and very hard to get rid of. Hmm. An interesting thought
0: I just I just you know I I've always thought like it was a bit weird this
1: mm. you, you mentioned in your book about Catherine um she sort of says to Elizabeth I would love to be your your mother I'd love to take on you know be a mother to you how sincere what what well, what 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 does she mean by that and how sincere she, she was she means I would love to be in control of
0: you right okay <laughs> I mean, for Catherine, you have to remember, as we said, she lost everyone when she was young, but now she became, like, because of fate, she became the matriarch of a family. You have to remember that in 1558, when her husband died, her children are young. They're like, you know, they're all extremely young. Like, they're some are under ten. Like, a lot of them are under ten. So you have to. So when she said, in a way, she is. Um, sincere in terms of like she does see herself as a mother to Elizabeth, she wants to, but she wants to because she knows that mother is at the top of it. Like she's it. so so for and and for and I think for Elizabeth, she don't tend to to forget that Elizabeth had lost her mother very young, mm. and never re- like I mean, some people might disagree with me, but yes, maybe with Catherine Paul she tried to. Feel that void
1: that went a bit wrong though but
0: I don't really think so I mm. think she's just playing the, the card she's given and Catherine, Car- uh, Catherine Barr is a card that gives her close- closer to her father um, makes her life more um, agreeable you know at court and princess again and all of this mm. but I don't think Elizabeth is craving to find a new mother I think she's you way she made a peace with that she made mm. a piece that she didn't have one when she you know well I mean she had one but she lost her when she was uh, two years old or something um or two and a half and and so I think that Catherine playing that card was not really smart mm. <laughs> and if anything like Elizabeth was not stupid she know exactly she knew exactly uh, that if she married into um, Catherine's family, it meant that Catherine was the matriarch of the family. And Elizabeth loved power as much as Catherine did. It's not about them so much that they love power, it's that they suffered so much in their childhood and teenage years that power was the only way for them to feel safe and to be mm. safe.
1: It's also like, well, what's the alternative? Exactly. Mm. There's no, they, like, yeah, precisely. So, um. We'll discuss Mary Queen of Scots because she, um, well, she's another fig. I think her relationship, and Elizabeth's relationship, is looked at as if it's just the two of them. And your book opens up the fact that no, 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 this—they're part of this triangle with Catherine. Now, Mary Stuart is is brought up at the French court, and you've already mentioned the influence of Diane, which I was really, in, really interested in the book to. You you mentioned that and sort of, I wonder how much that, her upbringing, Mary's upbringing and the influences of the women around her affected Mary Stuart's behaviours, I'm thinking in terms of her marriages after, you know, she's back to Scotland and things. How much do you think she was affected by her upbringing um, in In France? Yeah, Mm.
0: well, I've always said that Mary Stuart is more French than Scottish, always. She's not a Stuart; she's a giz. And she's like, mm-hmm. until the end. So, yes, there's a big influence. First of all, you have to understand that she doesn't have the same. It, it's quite sad in a way, because you could almost think that these three women, Catherine, Elizabeth and Mary, have the same upbringing. When you think about it, Mary also lost her dad very early on, like six, she's six days old or eight days old, I can't remember now when she became, you know, queen, but like six days, right?
2: Mm.
0: yeah and then you have uh, and then she's gonna um, she's five five years five years old about to be six when she's um, um sent to the French court so taken away from her mother so mm. here you have and I know her mother didn't die but you have a separation and the same with Elizabeth at three years old or two and a half years old and and with Catherine who doesn't have any of <laughs> of, mm. of, her, of her parents but the difference is when is the way she was treated is the difference between like Elizabeth Catherine and Mary? Mary is treated like the golden child, like the most important thing on the planet. She's already a promise to Francis, the future of Francis II. She's um being brought up uh with the royal children. She's considered as you know, she everyone is fond of her. She's super cute, super pretty, super Oh my god, Mary is amazing. She comes from a very, 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 very powerful family in France. Like I mean, the is are princes of blood. They have a right to the French throne. We're not talking about just a noble family that is quite cute or a bit ambitious. We have a family who's been established. They're, you know, the duchy of Lorraine. They're like they they they're absolutely very much aware of who they are and what they deserve. And here they have their niece, that they manage to marry to the future King of France. They know that Francis is going to be King of France one day and that they're securing the place of Mary, so themselves so close to power. And then you have um, Mary who, um, who got very close to uh, Diane de Poitiers because Diane de Poitiers got an interest in Mary because Henry II was really fond of Mary. He thought she was absolutely brilliant. So adorable so pretty so this so that uh so you have a girl who has always been told since she's six years old you're the most amazing thing on, on, on the planet mm-hmm. and you just have everything and you're going to become queen of france and you're a queen of scotland and you can have it all you can have it all and obviously at that time there's no england on the line because there's going to be mary the first on the throne and mary the first is a catholic so no problem at whatsoever for for them even though they are at war, because Mary the I is, is with the Spanish, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting, you're Catholic, but you're, you're with the wrong alliance, right? The, the Spanish alliance, the Spanish side. But even if they're at war, there's no um, idea of uh, she should not be on the throne. When in 1558, Elizabeth became queen, and then Henry II dies and you have Mary and Francis becoming king and queen of France. The Guises and Mary do not recognize Elizabeth as the rightful heir, the rightful queen. They think it's Mary the rightful queen because she's also a Tudor. She has Tudor blood. Can you imagine that woman has Tudor blood? Tudor blood, the Guises' blood. So Prince of Blood, like it, mm. it's very important to understand. And then she's married to the Valois dynasty. She's probably like she was set to be the most powerful queen that has ever lived she had in front of her, two other women who were not meant to be queen, who were not as powerful as her. Nothing had been given, given to them. They had to fight for everything they got. Mm. They had to endure. They had to suffer. They had to sacrifice everything that Mary never did. The, the only thing that she did was to live without her mother that she was really close to. But again, she was still put in a, in a situation where she was, you know, protected and safe. I mean, her uncles would have never let anything happen to her, mm-hmm. and and then you have this woman. So you have Mary Street, who's a comp- like psychologically is on another planet she doesn't she doesn't really think she i need to be smart in the way of things i think and the, she doesn't she know she doesn't really understand the games of course she doesn't she did never had to no. there was always men telling her what to do and how to play it and she was the real pawn the gizzes were so first her uncles then her cousins were like mary you're just a pawn just just do to do, do that Yeah, Mm. and when she because I thought she wanted to stay in France. Oh my God, she cried. She's like, please, Catherine, leave. Let me stay in France. No, 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 I don't want a fucker like you here. So Catherine
1: decides, no way, do I want Mary here
0: because it means that Mary is queen dowager of France. It means there's two queens now.
2: Right,
0: queen mother, queen dowager. She can't have it. And also, she's like, just go back to Scotland. But Mary doesn't want, doesn't like Scotland absolutely hates it. Maybe it
1: doesn't even have memories of Scotland. If she was Probably only...
0: not. And also, like, uh, there's a bloody um, uh, reformation there. So mm. she's going to have to pretend she doesn't care about, you know, that she, they can keep the... And she does, that That part of her reign, she does play it well. She does let them do whatever they want and, and she keeps her faith. So on that part, I would say, like, she plays well and safe. Then she goes back, she plays with the card she's given as well. She's further away from her uncles and then cousins. And where where you see she makes mistakes, she doesn't really, she's like, I'm going to marry a steward. It's going to give me more claim to and I'm And they probably thought, that's, a, that's also very safe to play. Because they have a, a, their eyes, the geese's eyes are on the English throne and the French throne. They see Catherine as being weak, that they can, you know, and them being princes of blood. I mean, at some point, they're really going to turn against the crown like with henry the third they completely turned against him and then he's left with no other choice to fight back Mm. and it's gonna it's gonna bring like his own downfall but the geezers are all behind always bloody attacking him but for but they also have their eyes on the english throne and they think that obviously mary marrying a steward henry lord Darnley, means that, that she has even more rights you know, Stuart, also, like, um, again, Tudor blood, mm. more rights. Elizabeth should be. It's a bastard. She's the daughter of Anne Boleyn. No one bloody recognised in the, the, you know, the breakfast room, let alone the marriage between Henry and Anne. And when I say no one, I'm talking about Catholics. Mm. So it's even, even, you know, it's even more like, um, I mean, I, I'm in awe of Elizabeth for putting up with so much shit for so long. Like, it's,
1: Unbelievable. <laughs> From the Catholic point of view, then it must have been incredulous to them that Elizabeth is on the throne at all. So unlikely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes, and that's why they they fight all the time to get her out. You know, like they they is end there, and there, and it's where like they they don't they don't really like Catherine. Like Catherine, even if she has French, she's always been the foreigner. She's the Italian. She's a Medici. All right. She was not supposed to be queen. She was married to the second son. How the fuck did that work out? Um, you know, like so. You, it's 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 incredible. And Mary is um. In my book, I, there's obviously some parts on Mary because Mary is also um going to be like the reason why there's a huge fallout between Elizabeth and Catherine because at the end, also Catherine, even though she knows the gizzes and stuff, Catherine always plays sa- safe, and she plays in in. She thinks they need, like with Henry III, Henry really is not going to listen to her, but she really thinks that they need to appease the geese. She really loves how powerful they are. And her and, and they're after them, but she, for her, she, you always need to play um, the long game and trying to appease things. And and then if you have an opportunity to, to get rid of your enemies, you do, but you're never like, confrontational or too aggressive. And Henry is like, I've had enough. I fucking don't care. I'm going to be the way I want to be. And so you have Catherine being like, um, who, wants, who also is shocked by Elizabeth. She's also very annoyed. You have to understand that Elizabeth has played her for years mm. with marriage negotiations. She doesn't really like that. And when there's no sons anymore to put forward, she's like, who's the fuck is that woman who thinks she can rule on her own? And
1: so she, she can, can look back her. on it all and think, exactly. I have And be really more powerful
0: lied. than me, more powerful than anyone. And then Elizabeth did the thing that no one would have ever Thought she she would do? What do you think, Mary? With the help of her family in France, the guesses kept plotting against Elizabeth. they really thought that she's never going to execute her. Yes, she's in prison, but she's never going to execute her. Mm. She's never going to. Never has done that before. It's never going to happen. You have to think that you're above every other kings and queens. She's never going to do that. Man, she did it. <laughs> like wow. And for Catherine is also like,
2: oh my God, she's a monster. She went
1: too far. So that was that was Catherine's view of that. That's just
0: yes, absolutely. But for Catherine, it was also, "The fuck are you doing? You putting me in such a bad situation at home, because the Gisces are now going to grow more in power. What Mm -hmm. do they need? They need Spain help, and more Spain help. So that there's an alliance between Spain and the Gisces. And Catherine's like, my God, we're in a civil war. We like it's it's getting a a massive shit
1: show." Because of something she... that's going on in a different exactly. country. And,
0: and, and she didn't see the end of the battle because she died in January 1589 and, and Henry III is assassinated in August 1589. Can you yeah. imagine, like, having suffered so many humiliations to get children on earth and you secure, you secure like you have 10 children, seven of them are adults. You for In your head, you've bloody secured. Don't it? Yeah. Ryan. Then your children don't have children. Well, Charles has a daughter. She dies when she's six. Shit. Hen- but Henry, Henry and Louis. Well, Louis, de lorraine Woodemon had a pregnancy early on, but she um, she had a miscarriage, and we think that after that miscarriage, something went wrong, and that's why she became like, she couldn't have children anymore. We don't really we we think Henry Henry never had uh, Henry the Third was um, the most faithful king. He's still sleeping around, but he doesn't have official mistresses. <laughs> and he's very quiet about them that's why there's a reputation of him being homosexual by his um, um detractors because like he's very quiet he doesn't want to hurt his wife's feelings so he's <laughs> very very quiet about his um mistresses he, he never, right. he, never he, he never has one that he prefers he just sleeps around but he had children like we know that he had uh, some of these women had children they just uh, didn't. Um, the, the children didn't grow up; like they died in uh, wow. infancy in, in and stuff. But what we know is that uh, Henry could have children, and Louise de La was probably the one stro- like she had a pregnancy, had a miscarriage, so like something went wrong and couldn't have children after that. But they still hope because they're still young; they still hope that you know, before he's as- assassinated, they still hope that you know it will happen. But you have Catherine like working so hard for all of this, and then her. Her dynasty, her like the the dynasty into she you know she married into, and all the children dying.
1: Mm. Her life all is awful. just punctuated by those close to her dying. It's just Death after death, after death, after incredibly death. sad. When she lost
0: Charles, Nineveh, it's awful. And she lost Francis, awful. She lost Elizabeth of Valois, awful. Mm. But then she's extremely close to she lost Christine, uh, um, no, Claude, and then uh, Claude had a daughter, Christine, and Christine, she is a granddaughter that she raised like a daughter, and she marries her in the, the Italian families, like a duchy. And, and, and her death in the well, she gave a lot of, of, of lands, and she does give, she also to the lorraine Baudemont, which is a massive, um, talking of a um, affection. Of a love for that woman, which is funny because she didn't want Henry to marry her, and in the end, I think she really liked her. Um, and it, it's just brilliant because sometimes I think we, we tend to, you know, we see words, we see we see names, we see dates, we see facts, there's a war, there's this and that. This one died in 1574, this one died in 1584, this and you know, whatever. Mm. And you tend to forget the when you say this man died, da-da-da he was the son of someone He was the husband of someone he was the the father of someone Mm. and when you really look at Catherine's life it is marked by death and I think through that when once you look at that this way it's where you can be like I understand her I think I can understand her
1: just to make sense yeah it's brilliant and your book, like I say, I think it's going to introduce, well, you've certainly introduced Catherine to Dim- Dimitri to me in a much bigger way than I'd ever looked at her. And I think that's what your book is going to do for for, for Catherine. You know, you're going to introduce her to to people who, who love Elizabeth and I, I think she deserves it. She I deserves to be so. much better I known. So. I
0: think so.
1: And, and the just,
0: relationship as well. I think it, it's interesting because I do mm-hmm. think about, I, 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 I like teasing her. was, was she the biggest rival it depends how you define a rival and also I think it's interesting to I love the fact that their their relationship is so complex it's not Mm. just rivalry it's not just animosity it's so much more complex and they tried at times to be friends and it was a fiasco so
1: but didn't you you mention again in the book of French uh, one of the ambassadors from France who who obviously obviously meets both women who never meet in real life and he, and he thinks that actually, if they could have got together, they probably would have been. I love that. I love friends. that. Because
0: I think. I think he's he's absolutely right. I think they would have loved. I think they would have liked each other very much. So, and I think it, you know, especially if they could have bonded in a in a um, um, not in a you know in, in a official capacity, but if they could have had time, like maybe because they both loved hunting, so having a hunting party where the two of them could go and they would have shared probably in some stuff. And, and don't forget as well that Catherine de Medici um, knew the stories about Anne Boleyn when she was in France. And so, you know, she, she was friends with uh, René de France, so um, the daughter of Louis Twelfth and the sister of Claude de France, so the wife of um, Francis I until uh, 1524. Mm. And René de France um, shared stories about... Um, Elizabeth's mother and Bolin with Catherine de Medici so like you you, I don't know what they said right all I know Mm -hmm. is I think it's really interesting and um, I think they would have shared things they would have realized that they were very similar women and they they were they have much more in common than for example I really can't see I think if Mary and Elizabeth would have met I I think it would have um, you know some people are like would you think they would have you know avoided all the things do you think they would have bonded I don't think so I think I think Mary was an entitled bitch. I'm sorry. but I really I really do believe so. Um, and, and, not, and not really because of her, but because of the way she was raised. Mm. I think if, you, if everyone keeps telling you the best, the best, the best, the best, the best, the most beautiful, the most destined, most We've met
1: them. We've all met one. <laughs>
0: and at some point you start thinking that way. Mm. And you mm. start shitting on other people. I mean, how bloody ridiculous it is for Mary to shit on, on Elizabeth for over a decade and then say, oh, by the way, in 1569, I'm a bit uh, in a shitty situation here. Can I come to your country? Fuck off. Like. <laughs> well, well, she continues even when she's here. Exactly. But, but 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 there's also like there are some reasons about Mary why she continues, because she really believes that she's the rightful queen.
2: Mm hmm.
0: She doesn't think she's the rightful heir. She thinks she's the rightful queen, mm. and she thinks that she should be on the throne of, the, of England, which is a better throne than that. Scotland. She never likes Scotland. So when I see the Scottish people being, oh, Mary Queen of Scotland,
1: yeah, she,
0: when I see <laughs> she wasn't that bothered about. Oh, Mary, Mary Queen of Scots movie what on earth you've given her like a scottish accent how and oh, only... they all lived
1: in caves did you notice that in scotland they all li- <laughs> they all live in caves
0: i know and it's ridiculous and it's not making any um you know it's not scott scottish history is so interesting and the scottish court mm. and and in a they're more they're they're, they're, they're more free there's something about them that is like you know um um they are free spirits and i love that and you don't come across it it's the same the story of james was going to become james the first of england james Sixth of scotland but history is so fascinating because he does he, he's kidnapped he does play he does play the, the card is, is given he's he's much smarter than his mother in so many ways um and then he, he got what he wanted in the end he got like you know Elizabeth making him um he she didn't of course she was going to like she, i mean it, i think it's it's a brilliant i think that's why it's such a period that is so fascinating because we mm. have so so many big characters with different personalities and yeah. it's brilliant to go through their own their own words and looking at the type of people they were and that's my point of young marion i know so many disagree and so many see, see her differently and please do reach out to me because i don't mind being like i don't mind debating and i don't mind also like uh maybe being proved wrong so far I don't think I am mostly because of <laughs> most of the letters in French and I can tell you that you would have to really wake up early before making me change my mind on American but I still love the idea that we can discuss it respectfully and respectfully disagree
1: yes because, absolutely but
0: they're all tr- truth to Mary uh, suffering I do understand that at the end like uh, being in prison for so long that she's going to give in into you know some sorts of plots but it, she always had so that's that's a prime with Mary I think I think she could have made much smarter moves um and and I wish she hadn't been uh is poisoned by by Jean de Poitiers, by 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 the geese's like I wish she had she had made up her mind for herself and and not antagonizing like Catherine from early on like mm. why why there's no need to do that you know, this need of always choosing a woman over another, she chose Jan. well, wrong course, like, right, Mm. like, Mm. it was not really smart, really, really not smart.
1: I'll ask you one last question, then, before we um, wrap up the main part of the interview, and then we'll go on to the questions that my patrons have asked, Um, but what, what was Elizabeth's reaction when Catherine dies, do we know?
0: we will never know like so i found a letter where she, that she wrote to henry the third and this letter is fascinating because she she crossed a lot of lines so everything that she said are very nice very sentimental it's crossed the letter is still sent so i felt like it's almost like you can read it yeah um i think i think catherine i think elizabeth respected catherine i think she had massive respect for. What she tried to do, or well, the way she protected her family, her dynasty, her crown. When I say her, it's her sons. And I think she is sad that it happened that way. But it also marked the fact that she no longer has female rivals at all. Her biggest enemy then becomes um Philip the And it's very clear. Because Mary Kenoscott is gone, Catherine is gone, there's only the gizzes, but I mean henry took care of one. Um it's it's basically the, the part of the reign where it's the outright animosity between England and Spain. It's where England b- became also more powerful. Making mm. choices that were going to lead to um an empire, right?
1: And it's it's the competition with Spain that drives is driving all of this. So before we finish the main part of the interview, where can people find more about you. Where where's best on social media to contact you, and where can they get your book?
0: Yeah, so you can um, um, contact me on Twitter, Doctor Estelle P. Or in Cuba, if you type my name honestly, and um, uh, like you you will find me. <laughs> and my book, you can find it anywhere. Waterstones, you know, Amazon, obviously. I you know some people don't like, but you have like Fox Lane Books. Um, you have Goldsboro Books if you like, you know, independent indie bookshops you can find it probably anywhere uh blackswells like falls whichever you want uh, if you want a signed copy it's going to be fox lane books and and goldsboro books i'm also going to do festivals so if you want to come with a copy for me to sign it so i'm going to be at winchester warwick wicktown uh near near, uh, near the border in scotland like um England, oh, fantastic. Scotland. and i'm doing another i'm doing an um uh, a talk at Worcester's Cambridge, with uh, Dr. Joanne Paul or the House of Dudley, and talking uh, about um, um, my my two queens. So please come and and meet, I'm sure there will be more events anywhere, but please come and and meet me and discuss things. Uh, I'm a lover of history first and foremost, and I'm always welcome to meet other lovers of history.
1: Fantastic! I'm so glad the festivals are all back up and running because so I'm going to try and get to. Um, to at least one where where you're at um in the autumn so that we can meet in person yeah thank you so much wonderful thank you for joining me today